Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Right now, the world-famous Dr. History. Good morning. Good morning, Zeb. How you doing? I am peachy, wonderful, great, fine. How are you? <laughs> Did you make all that up? Well, it's not written anywhere. <laughs> I'm glad you're doing so good. You know, before we start today, I do want to say hi to some people. Okay. okay. Hi, people. <laughs> hi, people. Duncan from Australia. Really? Yeah, Duncan from Australia uh, wrote me uh, on, on my web page and likes the show. Stephanie wrote to me, and she's actually headed up to Yellowstone Park here in a few weeks. It and snowed in. They did get some snow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then Jeff, who's been a faithful listener for quite a while. And then MJ is a is a lady that uh, asked me some questions uh, regarding uh, uh, women pioneers. And I elected to just uh, visit with her personally because of the sensitivity of what she was asking. And that's now, all. I'm... Now, you've opened the door <laughs> no, just no. to crack and sunshine is beaming in. <laughs> and if I were any kind of a talk show host, I would say, well, what are you referring to? And, and I'll just move right on to our <laughs> next subject. <laughs> Anyway, thank you, MJ, Jeff, Stephanie, Duncan, for your comments. All kidding aside, that just solidifies the point that we've made on this entire program. Uh, with not only KBAR, 1230 AM, but also com. we're heard all over we the are. world. Yeah, and people go to my webpage, dr-history.com, and on iTunes. So we're going to talk about uh, the Native American women the Indian women, oh. and their religion a little bit, and spirituality. Okay. So, you know, religion was not a Sunday affair for the Indians. In fact, it is doubtful that an Indian woman viewed spirituality separately from the rest of her life. For her, religion was a, uh, I'm going to say, a conversation with the creator of all things. She lived in a world of mysticism, and we're going to talk about that, and symbolism, where every part of the earth and the heavens possessed a spiritual life. Uh, and, you know, you've seen, Zeb, where sometimes an Indian will kill a buffalo or an elk or deer, and they will thank the great spirit for that. Uh, for that animal. But anyway, everywhere she looked, the Native American woman saw the forces of creation, and this sense and understanding of her surroundings actually gave her depth and actually dignity to her life. Now, of course, there were ceremonials when everyone focused attention on religious matters in an attempt to call on the almighty forces for help and guidance, and these ceremonies served to reunite the entire tribe. Mm -hmm. Now, Many of these early Indian societies thought it wise for each individual to find a special guardian spirit. Okay? Now, North American tribes shows that most cultures considered it less important for a girl to find a, such a guardian than it was for a boy. Uh, yet there were a lot of Indian societies in which the Indian girls, the maidens, were expected to seek a supernatural helper. Okay, so keep that in mind. A, a helper, a guiding spirit, a supernatural. Um, now, so among the Nez Perce, it was in what is now northern Idaho, every 10-year-old child was sent into the mountains to seek a, quote, guardian spirit. Now, wait a minute. They Ten go by old. themselves? Yes. At 10 years 10 of years age? 10 years old. This sacred... At 10 years of age, you couldn't even walk down to the street corner. <laughs> I couldn't. I could barely 
talk. So, but this sacred event being considered the most important event in the life of an individual. Now, the child was instructed to uh, climb to one of the highest peaks. Remember, 10 years old. Build up a pile of stones, sit down beside it, and focus attention on the purpose of this event. How long were they there? Well, we're going to get to that. Well, please. I will. The child was not to eat or drink anything and was to try to stay awake as long as possible. Now, after three or four days of this, the seeker, the child, usually fell into some kind of a sleep during which an animal appeared, gave the child a name, and taught it a sacred song. Okay? Then this guardian was supposed to protect the child from danger from then on. Now, if for some reason the child had not received a dream or a visit from this guardian, whatever it was, uh, whether they were uh, not paying attention or they were homesick, it was considered sacrilegious to pretend that a certain animal had appeared. Furthermore, if the child did lie about having received a visit from a supernatural, it could expect to have danger rather than protection for the rest of their life. Ten years old. Three or four days with no food. Now, most 10-year-olds are what, third grade? Uh, Yeah, probably. Right in that area? Yeah. Holy smokes. So, now, let's continue. Uh, So, remember, I said they went without food. So, it was called the dream fast. In other words, they were fasting. And this was central among uh, some tribes called the Menominee, Mm -hmm. the Potawatomi. The Menominee are back a big tribe right in my hometown area. The Potawatomi and other central Algonquin groups who lived around the area, like I said. You did that very well, by the way. Thank you, of the northern Great Lakes. So far, I've pronounced everything okay. <laughs> I was nervous there for a minute. <laughs> anyway, so here's a similar thing. When a youth or a young lady reached the age of 15, they went off alone to a secluded spot. They built a tiny wigwam, just big enough for one person, and they fasted for 8 to 10 days. Holy smokes! Uh, yes, yeah, according to individual strength and endurance. Now, each day, the fasters, the people who were going without food, were visited by their parents. If by the eighth day, again, no food, Zeb. If by That's the, a Nutrisystems diet. <laughs> that is. If by the eighth day, the young people had not received a vision, they were given the choice of quitting or continuing. Now, here's what happened. Their parents would visit them, and they would hand them two bowls. One had food in it, and the other one had charcoal. All right, two bowls. You got that picture? It was perfectly acceptable if they chose the food. That was okay. Now, they could go on home and try again some other time. But they were kind of exhibiting real strength if they chose the charcoal instead of the food. Do you know where you and I would be? (laughs) (laughs) We'd be at McDonald's probably. You know, so if they chose the charcoal, though. It would be really neat to have the guy at the window hand you a bowl of charcoal. Yeah, here, take this. (laughs) So, again, if they didn't take the food, they chose the charcoal, they would smear it over their faces and presumably would be rewarded for their perseverance by the appearance of a guardian. So if they hung in there, they might get this, okay? Now, in fact, it was very likely that anyone would begin to have visions or hallucinations after being without food and water I ate a bowl of cereal at 4 o'clock this morning, and I'm already hallucinating for lunch. So, you know, those who successfully endured this test and had visions of, quote, things on high, 
could be expected to be rewarded by a long life, happiness, uh, social elevation due to the protection and guidance of their guardian. So, you know, they didn't mess around with these little kids. They started them off pretty early. Now, here's another group. Today they'd be arrested. (laughs) Yeah, for child abuse. (laughs) So now among the Southeast Salish Indians. That's close enough. Okay. The Indian girls were sent out to find a guardian if their parents thought it a good idea for a girl to have this kind of help. Now, 90% of the boys, they sought guardians and were rewarded with visions. Only 20 to 30% of the young women received this spirit power. And the average woman who never obtained a helper still led a pretty good life. But those women who are fortunate to have uh, the visions were actually regarded as high as the men, uh, equals of men. No kidding. I didn't know all of this. Yeah, it, this is a, some fascinating information. Yeah. We don't know a lot about the Indian women, and I thought this was pretty interesting. Yeah. Now, in some tribes, only those young women who were still virgins were allowed to seek spirit helpers. But in other groups, a woman, a woman might be visited and promised help uh, by the supernaturals at any time in her life. So this was a pretty important thing, the supernatural guardian. Now, on the northwest coast, Lumi women, uh, and I'd never heard of that tribe, Lumi, L-U-M-M-I, L-U-M-M-I. Hmm, I haven't but, either. Anyway, uh, women uh, who had special guardians actually performed what they call spirit dances at these big festivities, these parties. So the women who planned on presenting their spirit dance during a particular event arrived at the celebration early. They rehearsed their songs until the rest of the Indians arrived. Every dancer had a chance to practice her song with the drummers sometimes humming it several times so the drummers could pick up the beat. Kind of an 18th century Woodstock. Yeah, and they had their own, they practiced these songs, and they had their own individual song, and the drummers kind of had to pick up, okay, and, and anyway, so, but when it was time for a dancer to present her song, she began to groan and cry, acting as if she was having difficulty catching her breath. The experienced singers and drummers would gather close to her, give her encouragement until she was able to rise and dance around the room, usually imitating the movement of the spirit that was in her. Okay. Now, the spirit that was in her could be a, a bird, an animal, an owl. A, she didn't knows? try flying off a cliff or anything, no, did no, she? No, it was oh, just okay. her spirit oh. animal that okay. was in her. Now, once a woman who had been chronically ill was brought to a gathering at one of these large village parties, I'd call What it. would you have been? I'd be an eagle, Zeb. I'd be an eagle. <laughs> Not a duck. <laughs> so... Okay, so picture this. Here's this older woman. Okay, I'm she's still sick. working on the duck. Okay, so they're gathering at the village, and she'd been ill. Amazingly, she was able to rise from her sick bed, and with what appeared to be superhuman strength, she performed her spirit dance. All right, the women sang us. The woman sang a song about a uh, snow-banked canoe. The next morning, the villagers were surprised when they woke up to find the village blanketed by deep snow. Okay, so she kind of almost prophesied. Now, the disbelievers pleaded with her to make the snow go away. So the woman painted her face, walked into the freezing ocean, walked back out, returned to her home. Almost immediately, a soft rain began to fall, which completely melted the snow before daylight. 
Coincidence? Oh, no, this is, <laughs> she had power, Zeb. <laughs> now, Indian women played a definite, important role in a large variety of the Native American ceremonies, particularly those religious rituals which dealt with prayers for sufficient food supply, good health for the tribal members, and other parts of life to which the women were closely tied. And food was of utmost importance. Well, absolutely. Something I haven't had since 4. Since 4 o'clock. Now, the Iroquois, they had a ceremonial cycle celebrated only women's activities. There were no festivals uh, commemorating hunting or war. And most of the dances and ceremonies were thanksgiving for the fertility of the earth, especially for the crops, which were the women's chief concern. These religious celebrations were a lot of fun. Uh, Dance was considered not only a spiritual rite, but a divine art as well, and designed by the Great Spirit for the pleasure as well as for worship. And these sacred social celebrations also served to arouse the patriotic excitement and keep alive the spirit of of the tribe and each dance was something they compare it to uh, like our thanksgiving our fourth of july uh, uh, fireman's ball all rolled into one no so kidding. it was a big huge event this wow. dance you know what a celebration i'd love to have been there to watch that now in montana the flathead indians also uh, they saw food as bound up with religion Okay, there was a real connection between food and religion and the Great Spirit. Yeah. So each season of the year had a major ritual and several minor ones. The beginning rite of the spring season was the first, they called it the first roots ceremony. Mm-hmm. And this was always held before any woman was allowed to gather roots. So in this ceremony... Two respected matrons, older Indian women, led a small party of women to a field known to be fruitful. And upon their arrival, the older matron would raise their arms to the sun, praying for success, security, and good health, and fortune for everybody. Next, she addressed the earth, pleading for the same blessings. The women then dug up small supply of roots, took them back to camp, where they were cooked by the wives of the chief, only the chief. When the meal was ready, the food, symbolic of all the food they would gather that season, was blessed again by prayers to the sun and the earth. Have you ever ate roots? Uh, carrots. Hmm. That's okay. a root. <laughs> I've never tried camas. Oh. Now, camas roots, okay. you know, was big in this area yeah. over in the Camas Prairie. Of course, you being a duck and all. <laughs> Eagle. Eagles. Yeah. You said duck. I did, okay. So now here's another group, the Kootenai tribe, and you've heard of them, uh, a woman's religious rite in which the participants gained special supernatural powers. Now, long ago, so they say, the spirits told the Kootenai women to form the, quote, the crazy owl society to ward off epidemics, which they considered to be the result of disobeying the spirits. A supernatural might come to one of the members of the Crazy Owl Society at any time and tell her to sing one of the special songs. So, yeah, when the other women members heard her, they would go to their lo- to her lodge and dance and sing with her. And then she, now this gets a little interesting here, Zeb. Okay, pay attention. Okay. <laughs> She's, okay, you got this picture? She started with a procession. Yep. First visiting every lodge in the village. Yeah. They're all following her. They're following her. They're following her. Going like into the, the Pied Piper. Yes. Going into the f- forest where she struck a tree. She hit a tree. Hit a tree. And she passed right through it. She walked right through the tree. This okay. is getting pretty serious okay. here. 
followed by the other members of the society. They all they went all through, the tree? through the tree. It, it gets better. Who had the chainsaw? <laughs> no chainsaw. They walked through the tree. Now, after the proper number of trees had been passed through, she started running towards the west, followed by her band. Pretty soon, they all left the ground and ran in the air for a while. Everyone, everyone landed, and they held the council. When the Crazy Owl members adjourned, they were hopeful that their ceremony had protected their families and loved ones from disease for a while. There's a plant that grows uh, quite well here in the West. Were they smoking some of that stuff? I don't know, but Zeb... How would you like to have been the first one in line that tried to run through the tree and it didn't work? (laughs) I'd probably have a, a headache. Now, here's another group. A different ceremony was required from the, uh, they were called the Tensa women. The Tensa was a small tribe that lived north of the present side of uh, the Natchez in Louisiana. Anyway, in 1699, when lightning struck their large temple and burned it to the ground, the principal priest determined that the tragedy had occurred because the spirits were angry. Now, this is not very pleasant to talk about, Zeb, but as was the custom among those people, the women of the town were told to bring their babies to be sacrificed oh, no. in order to please the angry gods. And this was regarded as one of the highest of religious sacrifices. And there's more that talks about this, and I'm not even going to go into it. Zeb, Please don't. Because Please it's, don't. It, it is pretty gruesome. No, I don't want to hear it. So, now, <clears throat> excuse me, the... Timaqua Indian women in Florida, and I hope I said that right, they were required to undergo a similar rite. It was their custom, again, this is not very pleasant, their custom to offer the firstborn son to the chief of the village. On the appointed day, the mother took her son to a special place kept for the purpose. The chief took his place on the bench of honor, and the mother handed the baby over to one of her female relatives. Other women formed a circle and danced. Eventually, the sacrificing officer took the child. No, oh, brother. Don't go there anymore. I'm not going to go. That's as far as I'm going to go. Don't go there. Anyway, now, okay, among the Pueblo Indians in the Southwest, where many of the ancient ceremonies continue even today, women have their own religious societies, and most of their ceremonial participation is through these groups. So they kind of have their own club, I guess you could say. But the most sacred dances are usually performed by the men alone, although the women help by doing such things as ritually washing their husband's hair and taking food to the dancers. Hmm. Okay? You only got two minutes here. (laughs) I'm almost done. Amen. And now during a lot of these observances, the women are required to prepare special foods, which must be brought to the ceremonial chambers in certain vessels at certain times. The wives also share the excitement of dance by keeping open house for the friends and relatives, and they dress themselves and their children in their best holiday clothes, really nice, you know, uh, uh, leather stuff, whatever they had. Yeah, leather. Stuff, yeah. Now, the Hopi in Hopi towns, girls as well as boys under the age of 10 are launched on their religious ceremonial careers by their imitation or their initiation into what they call the Kachina cult. Yeah, yeah. Have you, You've uh, seen Kachina dolls. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah I'm uh, trying to help you. Oh, okay, thanks. I thought, okay. okay, thank you. You got a minute. <laughs> uh, that's about all I'm going to need. 
Anyway, a few, so at age uh, 10. Okay, so a few years later, all the young people were expected to take the next step in their religious participation by joining one or more of several secret societies. Really? Now, there, uh, there were three exclusively women's societies, and a girl or young woman could actually join any or all of them. Now, in the late fall, uh, late summer and fall, when the men were busy with crops, uh, the women in these societies put on entertainments which were not only fun, but also contained prayers for rain and bountiful crops. So, you know, there was really a lot of religious uh, uh, things that went on among all the Indian tribes. And we've just kind of touched on, on a few of them. Some of them were pretty... Not so good. Some of which I retain would be, of course, the Crazy Owl Club that was led by the duck. <laughs> and ran through trees and, and, and went up into the air running. You, you lost me when it came to running through trees. Hey, I am way over time, but I, I want know, to say thank you so much for a inspiring Dr. History. <laughs> At least interesting, right? When I go home uh, some night late in the evening, I'm going to check up in the trees to see if you're up there. <laughs> Or any crazy owls. There's that duck! Yeah. Okay. See ya. All right. Thanks, Thanks, Dr. History. Good job.